Hello, and welcome to a special All Hallows' Eve edition of Saint Stories for Kids, a podcast full of fun stories and facts about the holy men and women that have come before us. I'm your host, Chantal Barros. Saint Stories for Kids is brought to you by Shining Light Dolls. Discover award-winning Catholic toys, books, and more. Catholic mom designed, Catholic kid approved. Visit www.shininglightdolls.com to learn more. And be sure to download our free Hallowtide printable kit. There are so many fun things in there, including an All Saints bingo game. Now, let's see here. Uh, St. Nicholas in December, St. Valentine in February, St. Patrick in March, St. Francis in October. Those are probably saints and feast days you've all heard about. But did you know there are saints celebrated on every single day of the year? In fact, some days have dozens of saints that share a feast. Because get this, there are over 10,000 saints recognized by the Catholic Church. That's amazing! Beginning as early as the 4th century, the early Christians realized they weren't going to have enough days in the year to celebrate all the saints. And they also realized they needed a day to honor all the unknown saints, especially martyrs. Throughout the centuries, the day to celebrate all the saints, or All Saints Day, changed a few times and finally seemed to rest on November 1st, which is the day Pope Gregory III dedicated an oratory in the old St. Peter's Basilica to all the saints and martyrs at rest around the world. Throughout church history, there have been countless men and women who have died as martyrs, and we remember those unknown saints in a special way on this feast. The names of most of the unknown martyrs remain unknown, but throughout church history, there have been instances of martyred saints appearing to the living to tell them who they are and where to find their graves. Kind of spooky, right? This story was recorded by St. Gregory the Bishop of Tours and involved his cousin, St. Euphronius of Tours. Now it's time for our story. A group of friends sat together in a small pub in France, enjoying a moment after a long day of work. They had gathered many times before to laugh and talk and share stories from their day. Tonight was similar in all ways, except it happened to also be the night before All Saints Day, or All Hallows' Eve. As the sun set outside the window and darkness began to carpet the countryside, the conversation turned to the events of the next day, what time mass would be said, who would be visiting whose house, and then the conversation veered off in an unexpected direction. One of the men lowered his voice and looked around to see if anyone else at the pub was listening. You know, he said, leaning in towards his friends, his voice barely louder than a whisper. They say on nights like tonight, on the vigils before important feast days, believers often see a light burning over on the wild hill. One of the other men laughed. (laughs) Oh, come on now, not this nonsense. Oh, you laugh, the man said but I've seen it myself. His friends who had been snickering moments before grew quiet. You you have, another man asked, trying to not sound concerned. Yes, last year on this same night, I was coming home late from work and past the hill. There I saw a light burning. I don't know on what, but it was there, I swear it. I told my wife and she laughed at me, but her mother was there listening and she said she's heard stories throughout her life about the light. Some say there are saints buried there, but nobody knows who they are. The other men looked down nervously at their glasses. But one of the men, feeling very proud and brave, decided right then he was going to prove it was just a silly story meant to scare them. 
<laughs> you bunch of chickens, he guffawed. This is all nonsense. In fact, I'll go there tonight and prove to you it's all just foolishness. It's a vigil night, isn't it? I'll go now, and I'll be back before you finish your drinks. Nice try with your prank. The man who had told the story shrugged. It's no prank, friend, but if you want to go see for yourself, be my guest. Anyone else care to join me? He asked as he stood up from the table. But not surprisingly, there were no takers. So he threw on his coat and went out alone into the night. The weather that night was strange. A slight fog had fallen on the town and it was hard to see very far into the distance. It was quiet even with the sounds of the owls and the frogs. The wild hill wasn't too far from the pub and the man soon reached his destination. Wild Hill was covered with briars and brambles and wild vines of all sorts. The twisting and tangled black branches were covered in menacing thorns and prickles. The man looked up the hill, but the fog which had grown more dense made it impossible to see to the top. Stupid fog, the man muttered. I'll have to try to get through this tangle of thorns to see the top of the hill. So, still feeling quite brave, the man began his climb. The thick brambles tore at his clothes and snared his legs, but he pushed on. Breathing heavily from the effort of fighting through the vines, he would pause every now and again and check if he could make out the top of the hill. Finally, he thought he saw the faint flicker of a light through the fog. No, he thought. It's not possible. My friends must have come up the other side and lit a candle to scare me away. I'll show them. And he pushed on through the thorns, determined to get to the source of the light. But when he arrived, he did not find his friends as expected. Instead, what he saw mesmerized him. There, sitting in a dense patch of brambles, was a beautiful candle, burning with the most intense flame he had ever seen. It was like no other candle, the light was so pure and bright. The man forgot himself for a while, just standing there, staring at the mysterious candle on the hill. But after watching it for a long time, he fought his way back down the hill and told the others what he had seen. They all listened to his story with rapt attention, but it was getting late and they soon all parted and went home. The man himself wasn't sure what to make of it all and wondered if maybe he had just had a bit too much to drink at the pub. He said his prayers and as he lay in his bed, he thought about the strange candle on the hill until sleep overtook him. That night as he slept, he had a very strange dream. He found himself back on the hill, and standing before him were two women holding palms, the symbol of the martyrs. They explained that they were buried there and needed help to mark their graves and protect them from the weather. They spoke to him in his dream and said, If you would like to help us, please cut down the thorn bushes that block visitors to our grave and build a roof over our tombs. The next morning when the man awoke, he was deeply moved by the dream. It had felt so real. But surely it couldn't have been a visit from actual saints. Who was he to receive something like that? No, no, he thought. It was just a dream, produced by my overactive imagination after all that silly talk with my friends. So he went about his life as usual and quickly forgot about the saints. Several weeks later, the man had another dream. This time, the two saints appeared again, only they weren't very happy with him. Why have you ignored our request? How could you forget us so easily? Make haste to help us, or you'll regret it. And with that, the man woke with a start and sat up in the middle of the night, covered with sweat and his heart racing. He was terrified by the dream, 
Maybe it hadn't all been his imagination after all. He resolved then and there to go and do as they asked. Before the sun had even risen, the man was back at the hill chopping at the thicket. He was strong and capable and made short work of the brambles on the hill. Before long, he had cleared the area and found himself back on the spot where he had first seen the candle. He knelt down and began brushing away the leaves and debris with his hands. A mouse ran by and startled him and a spider scuttled on the leaves. He kept going until there before him were the two tombs he had learned of in his dream. He sat back for a moment to rest and the sweet smell of frankincense wafted on the cool breeze. In that moment, he resolved that he would build an oratory over the spot, for he no longer doubted the veracity of his dreams. The man worked all through the next summer and fall collecting stones and building an oratory for the two unknown saints. When it was finally finished the next winter, he decided he would ask the bishop to come and do the blessing. St. Euphronius was the bishop of Tours at the time, and he was very advanced in age. So when the man came and told him about the oratory on the hill and asked him to come bless it, Euphronius politely declined. My son, he said, you see that I am an old man and that this winter is more harsh and bothers me more than usual. Rains are falling, the winds are blowing everything in a whirl, the rivers are high, and the roads are soaked from the rain and turned to mud. I am way too old for a journey like that. You understand, don't you? The man did understand, and even though he was very disappointed, he didn't want to harass the kindly old bishop, so he left comforted by the fact that at least he had tried. St. Euphornius felt bad for turning down the man's request, but it wasn't his fault the weather had been so bad lately. Euphornius stoked the fire in his sitting room and sat down in his chair to rest. He put his feet up and closed his eyes and sighed. The fire crackled in the fireplace, and then there was another sound, like the creak of a floorboard. But the housekeeper had left hours ago, Euphronius thought. He opened his eyes and almost leapt to the ceiling. Standing there before him were two women, both whiter than snow. The older of the two spoke. Why do we not deserve your favor, most blessed bishop? Why do you hesitate to come and to consecrate the place that this faithful man has constructed for us? Come now, we beg in the name of the omnipotent God whose servants we are. I am named Mora, and this is Britta. Euphornius rubbed his eyes, and when he opened them again, the women were gone. He called for his superintendent at once and recounted all that had happened. They made plans to leave first thing in the morning for the oratory. When they left, the weather was terrible. The wind howled and thunder threatened in the distance, just as Euphornius had worried. But as they traveled, it suddenly and unexpectedly improved. The sky became clear and sunny, and it even became unseasonably warm. Euphornius blessed the oratory, and both men returned home in peace, trusting that they had fulfilled the task asked of them by God and his saints. Today, the church of Saints Mora and Saint Britta stand on the location of the little oratory built by the man from the stones in the 6th century. This story reminds us not to forget all the unknown saints of our church and to celebrate them on the Feast of All Saints. St. Mora and St. Britta pray for us. Thank you for joining us and I hope you enjoyed the story. Be sure to tune in to the rest of our special Halloween episodes. Tell a friend and reviews are always appreciated. Until next time!